Welcome to Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a percussionist, composer, and band leader from Sacramento, California, Chess Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Chess Smith with us, right? Yes. Hello. Hello. How you doing, man? Glad to be here. Introduce yourself to the people. Hi, I'm Chess Smith. I play drums and percussion, write music. Um, currently on tour, so it's it's getting late here, but it's okay. Um, still awake. Had a lot of many many coffees in a row. So yeah, yeah. You just got off the stage. You told me, and where are you performing right now? Um, I'm in Warsaw, Poland, at a this great club called Pardon Totu. And um, they used it in a different location. Then luckily they moved, they secured a new place right before the pandemic. Um, so they were like somehow able to keep that. I was just talking to the guy and, um, you know, keep the club going through that, even though, you know, it was closed. But then, you know, they've been reopening. And as of July, things have been like, it was like a full on show tonight, you know, full audience and everything. Okay. So life is pretty much back to normal over there. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, we were, you know, mostly masks indoors unless it's a, you know, like a show they can they can, you know, check vaccine cards and stuff like that. So, um so you know, it was like packed full of people without wearing masks, but I, you know, it's because you know, they knew they could control the the info of the, you know, who's vaccinated and things like that. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, so where are you normally based? Actually, who are you on tour with first? I should ask that. Oh, um, Mark Rebo and his group Ceramic Dog with uh, Shazad Ismaili and myself. It's a trio. And uh, yeah, we all, all of us live in, all three of us live in Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, I've been in New York for, since 2008. And uh, I'm from California originally, from Sacramento. And what made you move over here? Just the music scene or you just had... Yeah, definitely the music scene. Yeah. Like I started, I started playing with Mark in 2005 when I was still on the West coast and Trevor Dunn also. And, uh, they just kind of talked me into moving, you know, and I'm, I'm glad I did. I always wanted to move to New York, but I just didn't know if it was possible, <laughs> you know, or, you know, and then just, just starting to play with a lot of people out there. Um, that's what, that's what did it for me. Okay. And what got you into jazz? Oh, um, like, I think I was 16 or 17, 17, about to go to college. And um, I was taking, I was studying drums with a guy in Sacramento. And, you know, I was in playing a lot of rock music at the time. And um, he had me, um, he started making me these mixtapes of like jazz drummers, you know, like, everyone from like Chick Webb and Papa Joe Jones to like Max Roach and Elvin. I, I don't think it went too much farther than, you know, like late, late sixties, like post-bop and almost free stuff, you know? Uh, and, uh, that's another pop I have. <laughs> what, what, what's that? So you're not into modern jazz at all? No, no, this is just, just what, 
this is this was just what was on the tape. Okay. You know that he made me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, but that was my that was my start. I was like, I was just intrigued by it, and then I just kept listening to this cassette over and over, and then I got into, you know, Miles Davis and Coltrane records and things like that. And I just started really going after like straight ahead, you know, and then um, at the same time I was seeing a lot of like free jazz shows that were coming through the town I was in, um, like, like John Chakai and Bill Frizzell and people like that. And uh, yeah, so I just started, I was kind of getting into a lot of different things at the same time, really. So off your albums, what got you into the style that you mainly do? Um, I think more or less, yeah, like a lot of listening, um, you know, starting with that, what I was talking about a minute ago, and then um, kind of just doing it like through playing, playing in people's projects and things like that, and playing with these musicians, and especially when I got to New York, and you know, like the, I'd say the musicians themselves were, were influencing me and, and changing me you know, the way I played. And at that point I had, you know, studied a lot and played, played a lot of gigs and tours already. And so that it was just kind of, I was being molded in, in different ways through all that experience, I guess. Okay. Cause your album, the bell is my favorite one. And I must oh, say that was interesting, especially with the violas yeah. on top of the piano. So I was just yeah, like, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's why I was curious. So is that more of a free element that you were going for? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it really was because, you know, I wrote the music on that, but I intentionally kept it as wide open as possible because, you know, that's Craig Taborn and Matt Maneri on there and they're great improvisers. And uh, that that group, the first gig we did was there was no written music. So it was, it, it we just clicked. We clicked really strongly Um you know, like chemistry wise. And I didn't want to let, I didn't want to have, I wanted to write music for it, but I, I didn't want the writing to kind of get in the way of that, that free energy. So, so yeah, I would say that was a, the improvising part is the most important part of that trio in, in my opinion. You know, I agree with you, but so the question I have to ask on that is, so the average music listener, how do mm -hmm. they feel when they are listening to free music with that, uh, you know, with no sheet music, no practice, and you yeah. just go out. Yeah, is the reaction like eh, uh, ah or? Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a really good question. Um, I it, sometimes it's hard to tell because usually the people that show up want to hear that something like that, even though we don't know exactly what it's going to sound like before we start. But um, but yeah, I gave the bell to my my land. Lord, you know, this woman that lived upstairs and, and she was, she's into like classic rock music, I guess, <laughs> in New York. And, and she was like, whoa, it was, that record's intense. It's just too, it's really eerie sounding. Like it kind of frightened her, you know, really? like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so that's, and I was trying to like listen, you know, I, I'm just in it too deep to understand what people that you know, people's, uh, people's reactions, you know, I mean, everyone would have their own experience with as a listener, but, you know, people that maybe listen to a whole like pop music only or rock music only, I think it's 
you know, it's hard for me to put myself back in that mindset because I was so, you know, I was like a teenager when I got into all this. So you're saying you could never go back to a normal rock? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you, yeah, I think okay, so. you're shipping me. Yeah. I could go back to a yeah. rock style anytime. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, I just did tonight. But yeah, no, I mean, I can't. But if I heard some free, you know, anybody that I like playing free music or whatever, I'm just saying I can't go back to not, to just anything sounding foreign to me, I guess. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I can listen to rock for sure. That's a whole different conversation on what's boring and not boring to someone like you at this point. But uh, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So another thing I want to know about, because even this I just found out about. So you're a huge fan of Haitian voodoo drums. Yeah. How did you get into that? Oh, that was uh, more or less by accident. Um, I was in graduate school and there was a class, a Haitian dance class. And one of my jobs for my scholarships was to accompany dance classes, which was a lot of modern dance and just kind of keeping time for dancers to do exercises and um but the Haitian one was you know obviously specific um and I couldn't I didn't I hadn't heard much Haitian music at all and I didn't even know where to find it it was you know back in like 2000 2001 2002 you know before YouTube and everything and um and basically the teacher told me this was in San Francisco by the way and the teacher told me well, I can just play me a four, four beat or a six, eight beat. And I can work with that for now. But if you want to learn about this music, there's other drummers that, that know it. Um, playing my other classes around town, if you want to come play, they, I'm sure they'd show you stuff. And that's what I did, you know. So I went went and, um, you know, played bell, played like the, what's thought, you know, what's thought of as the simplest parts, um, the bell and the third drum with them. And um, they just start showing me things. And then I just, I really liked the, all, you know, the rhythms, um, the classic rhythms and, you know, this like city style modu that they were playing for the dance class, basically. And um, so then when I started moving to New York, I, I was asking them about who they studied with, because I knew some of those people had been back and forth from New York and um, they gave me some names. And then I, when I came out to New York, I was looking up those teachers, you know, to study, study more and, you know, with, and, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, this, there's, there's a big Haitian community in New York. So the, the huge one, it was just, yeah, yeah. It was, it was around mm -hmm. and, and it was, you know, people were playing on a really high level. So then I was, you know, really just really into it. And I've been studying till now, you know, with some of the same, some of the same people I met back then. And then, you know, eventually they started inviting me, inviting me to play, you know, dance things with them and ceremonies and votive ceremonies and things like that. So that was that. And then, uh, you know, I, since then I've been to Haiti maybe three or four times and, you know, um, mm -hmm. yeah, just keep, keep going. I, I kind of thought of it as it was almost like a hobby for me just because it was something I, you know, I'm on tour all the time and I'd come home and just try to stay connected to it, you know, and then I'd say in the last maybe five to seven years, it really got, way more full-time for me, you know, as a kind of part of what I do. So, But I'm still, def I'm still definitely a student of it, you know. I mean, I understand that. So what do you plan to yeah. do with that, though? Um, well, I did, a, I did a record with a lot of the uh, drummers I play with 
that's called We All Break. Or the, the band's called We All Break, and the the um, the record's called Path of Seven Colors. And it also has Miguel Zenon and Nick Dunstan and Matt Mitchell. Um, and I wrote music for it, but you know, really based on the traditional rhythms. And and the drummers are all playing the traditional rhythms with it. And that that band's been. Going, there was a quartet version of it since 2013, really, and then um, we did a that Path of Seven Colors record is uh, eight people, and you know features singers as well. And it's singing in Creole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah we're all singing in Creole actually. I completely missed that album. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, I just it it just came out. Yeah, I can send it to you. Yes, please. Uh, looking forward towards that one. All right. <laughs> so, what did you? What's something you experienced from the academia world versus the real world with all the stuff you're doing? Mm. Well, one good thing about the academic world for me was um, that's what I got introduced to. You know, the vibraphone and playing like more like new music. I guess you would call it like classical music. music. Or, or no, no, new, new music. I meant, you know, like new, new music. Um, yeah, like like modern classical music, basically. And um, I hadn't. I was just a. I was a you know like a, improvising drummer and didn't read a lot of music before that. So that that helped because I'm still using. I'm still reading reading music with a lot of people and things like that, and. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I I enjoyed school, just talking about music, music and studying studying harmony, things like that. And then, um, but yeah, it did give me some ideas that I'd go test out in in real musical situations, and I'd have to change some of those ideas. Some of them didn't work, you know; they were just more like in my head, kind of academic <laughs> constructs, and then. You know, really, you just gotta kind of go play and figure it out. You know, like that's where that's where I learned the most—just real playing situations, personally. Okay, what is some advice that you would give somebody? Hmm, that wants that is playing or that, that wants is playing to play in or... a university setting. Oh, um, yeah, just play with people as much as possible. Really, that's what I would say. That's what helped me. And um, if you want to check out New York, just come, come there, come here. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I used to have to, even in the Bay Area, I had to work, um, you know, day jobs and things like that. And then eventually I just started touring enough to, to leave that behind, you know, but, but I know, you know, the scene is so strong that you can, even if you have to work part time, you're still getting a great musical experience in New York. You know. So do you agree with me when I tell people that you have to have a second job or a primary job to support your music? Do you or do you not? I probably, yeah. Or I'm I'm married and my wife works. That's another way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But I, I, I would say if I was I'd be making a living anyway at this point, but um yeah, well, I mean, we have a kid, you know, that, so yeah, I do, it, the short answer is yes, I agree, but um, there's ways to, there's, there's ways around it also, 
But yeah, I mean, in New York, New York's expensive. I mean, a lot of places are really expensive now, so it's just hard, you know. And if you have debt from school, that's, that's you know, it's just whole, there's so many obstacles. A whole other yeah. conversation. That's like a series yeah. right there. If I was to do it that, is. Yeah, yeah. I would have I to go like for the conservatory too. course from the state <laughs> yeah. school course. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Okay. What is something you tell people or what is something people misunderstand about the music world, especially you, if you're doing all this stuff? Um, well, I think maybe non-musicians think it's, it's glamorous for something or you go on tour and, you know, you get treated like a rock star or something, you know, um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it, you know, but it's just like, I don't know. I go on tour and try. You try just try to get enough sleep. That's a big thing. And then uh, I try to practice, you know, too, and read and like keep, you know, keep keep ideas coming in. I guess. But yeah. Um, I mean, I assume yeah. the ideas keep coming in in your situation if you're on tour and then you're in Haiti and then you're doing that. That's not the yeah, big yeah, that's issue. A lot of, but a lot of ideas, yeah. What do you mean by? In your opinion, what do you mean by the rock star life? You think that people would care about your music, you mean? Or just, like, you show up to Yeah, a... d- d- you show up and there's just fans and, like, all the, you know, everything's really easy, you know? I don't know. Um, I, I just hear that from people that don't play music, you know, like in the neighborhood or, like, in, you know, my son's friends, parents, people like that, you know, they, they just don't. Or, yeah, I, I think they they can't understand the, that the music part makes all the travel worth it, you know, or makes all the lack of sleep and stuff like that worth it, I guess. Because, uh, you know, it does make it worth it for me. I mean, you look, well, you just finished a gig also, but you look dead tired. So explain yeah. this to people because <laughs> other people came on, but they never were able to really address it. Explain uh-huh. the lack of sleep part or the travel being worth it only to the music. Because yeah, they think well, like you go to Rome, you see the, you know, the tower or you go to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one thing is there's not, there's really not much time for sightseeing. But you, I mean, you can do it, but you kind of have to stay up all night and walk around, you know? Um, but yeah, like just for like today, for instance, I woke up. I got sleep last night. We had a day off yesterday, so I was in bed by midnight. Woke up at maybe seven, and then uh, they got the time wrong. We thought we were going to miss this flight from just Dusseldorf to Warsaw, which is not that far. And um, so then we, you know, we got there. We just ran through the airport. The guy let us in. We was way past when they closed check-in. He just let. I said, I just said, yeah, we're really late. There was traffic, which was true. And um, could you please let us on? And he said, okay, I don't think I can, but let me try. And then he, he just did it. You know, he just got us through. Then we had to run, you know, run straight to the plane, get on the plane. We got here, they took us to this, this thing. And then we had to start setting up for a sound check. And that, that took quite a while. Um, so basically, you know, it was just like, like running from seven till showtime almost. So there was that, you know, and then we play and it was really fun. You know, the sound was really hard actually tonight, but it was still just fun to play. And um, I mean, I, you know, I got to say that the whole 
lockdown of the pandemic made it, it's almost surreal being back on tour playing, but it's great, you know? So I'm not, yeah. I'm not minding. I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining at all about the, the hectic parts. No, that's good. I mean, like I said, I'm glad that it's opening up over there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, New York is a bit, New York is a bit too, right? Or no? I mean, the way I see it, there's see? less and less spots for artists to perform. All types yeah. of artists. So, yeah. I think the music world hit a lost major through the pandemic. And uh-huh. I just don't see a lot of them opening back up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they, 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 I mean, how could they? Yeah. They, that hit the clubs hard. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them were just barely surviving. Mm-hmm. So, I might be wrong. Maybe everything will come back and it'll be better than before. But if I was to bet, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So, what is something you would tell your eighteen-year-old self? Would you talk them out of being a musician? No, I wouldn't. I'd say, um, you know, I remember all these like journals I'd write in. Um, yeah, I think I think I'd have some specific things to say about how to, because I've always been studying music, and then how to work that in, and and eventually, hopefully, sound like myself. Um, and yeah, I think I tell myself, don't don't worry about it, just and don't worry about studying something too much. You can just keep studying, because then when you get in real playing situations, that's going to give you your voice. You're just, you know, you're every musician is bound to sound like themselves eventually, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that was one thing I'd always wondered how to do that. Cause I've listened to Tony Williams and be like, how does he do that? You know, like he's invented this whole way of playing, you know? And I just think that happens to, to, you know, to everybody, whether, whether they become known for that or not, you know, I think every, it's, it's hard to suppress your personality, really. Okay. And as I say, if you could remove all the barriers and all the constraints, what type mm-hmm. of project would you make and who would be on it? Oh, wow. Well, I'm actually trying. Um, I have, I have a group that's sort of like a chamber group, I guess, with, um, I play a lot of percussion in it and there's electronics and, you know, beats and stuff like that. And, um, I guess that's about six or seven people. And I want to add some more voices to that. Um, some more horns, I think. And then there's this, this rapper named motion man out in the Bay area that I'm just a fan. He doesn't know who I am at all. And um, I'd love to get, yeah, he's great. He's a, He's been around a long time. Um, I, I'd say a, a little, a little unsung, but uh, yeah, I think I'd love to. Have, that's like a dream project of mine, and I think I might actually try for it. I just don't know how, how he's going to respond or how to get the funding together, <laughs> all that. So yeah, it's a dream that that's kind of, um, hopefully, almost within reach at some point soon. Okay. That is good, man. And like I said, I know, just so everyone knows, we had a problem scheduling this. 
he fitted in yeah. after a concert. So we're just gonna rush this so we could go. So before you could go, mm-hmm. before you go though, I'm gonna give you we normally show a shot, uh, give a shout out or show respects to the artists who came before us. So I'm gonna tell mm-hmm. you an instrument and two artists. Choose one and tell us why. Okay. Okay. Choose. Okay. Okay. But it's not a competition. I mean, it's <laughs> or is it? Or is it? It's not me. Okay, okay, okay. it's just what you okay. think. I'll just, okay, I'll just I'll just go for it. Yeah. On trumpet. Mm-hmm. Lee Morgan or Freddie Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's tough. You know, I, there's something about I love Freddie, but there's something about Lee Morgan that just speaks to me, and uh, yeah, it's that's hard to explain. It's like a A brashness or something, you know. Just it's just like a flavor he has. That yeah, I've always I've always loved Lee Morgan. Okay. Yeah. On saxophone, Coleman Hawkins mm-hmm. or Stan Gatz. Ooh, another tough one. I think I've I've listened to more Coleman Hawkins. I have to say. So I, that's all. That's what I would say about that. Okay. But Stan, you know, yeah, Stan Getz has, yeah, his his lyricism, his sound is really something else as well. But yeah, that's a tough one. On bass, Ray Brown or mm-hmm. Ron Carter? Ooh. I just have to say Ron Carter because of the, you know, the Miles Quintet. That's like a group I've listened to. I was talking about Tony Williams earlier, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, it's just a, what, like a really important group for me. Okay, should have asked something different then, but yeah, okay. On <laughs> <laughs> um, keys. Duke Ellington mm-hmm. or Oscar Peterson? For me, Duke Ellington, and it's, t- you know, it's tied up with, I love Duke Ellington's piano, his piano playing, but it's also tied up with his writing, you know. And his bands and all that. He's just a ultra important person for me. Okay. And on percussion, who should I go with? We'll go with my favorite one. Max Roach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buddy Rich. Oh, Max Roach for me. Yeah, it's the like, and I can well, it's all kinds of things. He was, you know, he he got me into writing music also. I mean, just reading, you know, his interviews and things like that. And he also went, he went down to Haiti and studied with T. Roro, this amazing, you know, this really legendary drummer. And his, his solo, you know, his solos were over the form. They were, they were like, you know, totally within the context of the, you know, bebop forms, you know? So that was like, I realized I had to do that early on. And yeah, just Max was just giant. Okay. I mean, I disagree with you, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's stuff about ferocious about Buddy Rich's technique, for sure. But no that's, worries, that's man. What, yeah. Okay. Can you tell everyone your social media, your websites, where to find you, et cetera? Sure. Facebook is just, if you just look up Chestnut on Facebook, and uh, this Twitter is at chessmith one i think sorry i should really know this and uh well i'm on instagram too that's um 
that's that's Smith Chess or at Smith Chess. How does that work? <laughs> Smith Smith that Smith type in chess. That's what it is. You're showing your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Well, well, thank you for fitting this in. in your situation, I understand. I appreciate it. I'm pretty sure the fans sure. will appreciate it. No, it was a pleasure to talk to Thank uh-huh. you. Yeah. And everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good night. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.